Hello and welcome to the Vorthos cast. I'm Lorelai Weissel-Labrizzi. I'm Chris Delano. And I'm Carrie Thomas. And we are here at the end, just of this year though, uh, with uh, our, our last Vorthos cast episode of the year. So this is our uh, uh, episode we do every year for the last couple of years now, our kind of year in review. So we're going to look back at uh, 2023 in uh, Vorthos news and just like talk about our thoughts about things that have happened. Um, we're going to be on a short holiday break after this. Um, this episode, I think you may have noticed, didn't come out on the usual Monday, which is, I, th- I think, our plans as of recording. Mm-hmm. Um, so whenever that, whenever this episode is out, it's out. And I think we're, we're not doing one for New Year's, right? That's correct. Yeah. So we, yeah. uh, this episode will not come out on Christmas Day because I feel like no one's going to listen to a podcast on Christmas Day. So it'll come out some other time. Uh, whenever you're listening to this is when it's come out. So yay, time. Uh, and then we are taking a week off. So I think our, our next episode will come out on the 8th of, of January. January. Yeah. yeah. So just a little bit of a break. Yeah, when we're we'll, January, we'll be kicking off on uh, some Murders at Karloff Manor stuff. And get us prepped for that. Um, also, as a reminder for folks, uh, we are going to have a main stage panel at MagicCon Chicago. Where is our... I should, you know, it would have been smart to have it up and ready to read the panel description. But instead, I'll have to find where I tweeted about it. <laughs> I can find it real quick. Let me... 11 a.m. on uh, Saturday on the main stage is our panel, Wanted, Scoundrels of the Multiverse. Magic's longest-running story podcast, The Vorthos Cast, returns to MagicCon with a dive into the 'er ne'er-do-wells of the multiverse. The villains, rogues, and otherwise disreputable characters from the perspective of their rap sheets, wanted posters, and Azorius bolos in the post-Omen Path world of Magic the Gathering. Um, When we pitched this... Uh, we thought, uh, you know, leading up to Thunder Junction with its, uh, vast cast of villainous folks, um, we thought it'd be fun to take a look at a lot of the outstanding villains that exist in the multiverse. You know, you know, Bolas, Phyrexia, and the Eldrazi are, like, the big three magic villains that have all been dealt with, but there's still a lot of baddies out there, and, uh... So we're going to have a panel that talks about a bunch of them. Uh, I, I believe uh, the day before is also going to be like the first card shown from Thunder Junction. There's a preview panel. So like, yeah, getting everyone ready uh, to to be bad guys. Uh, and uh, it's fun. It's going to be fun. Uh, I'm really excited. Um, it's going to be it's going to be a good panel. Uh, so if you are at MagicCon Chicago, please come see our panel. Please, 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 please. We would like it a lot. <laughs> Saturday, February 24th. Yeah. Yeah. That is the weekend of it. It's also a leap year next year. So you get one extra day of February. So just remember that. You could spend that extra day on the 24th watching our panel instead. Yeah. Oh, and it will be uploaded to YouTube, obviously, at yes. some point, as all main stage panels have been from the magic cons this past year or that is our assumption so yeah i we're like 95 percent sure that's going to be true 
if that is not true, we'll let people know. But it should be uploaded if you're if you're not at the show. If it's if it's not uploaded, you can uh, tell us, and then we will all show up at your house and do a recreation of it, uh, so that you feel like you were there. I think that's feasible. Someone might even live tweet it, so <laughs> that'll be cool. All right. Well, let's go ahead and get started and jump into our 2023 year in review. Uh, a lot of a lot of stuff came out this year. It was um, it was weird because a lot of magic sets came out, but also not a lot of magic sets came out um, because one of the big releases of the year was taken up by Lord of the Rings. Um, but we the first thing that happened, which was like at the very start of this year, and it feels like it was so much longer ago, was Phyrexia All Will Be One. That came out right at the start of like January, I think. Uh, and it was, uh, it was a good one. It was certainly a good one. We got to, um, experience a bunch of planeswalkers losing and that was fun. Yeah. That had, um, a five episode main story by Shauna McGuire, um, friend of the show, Shauna McGuire. <laughs> uh, and I, I adore Shannon's writing. Um, I think Shannon really crushed a lot of the character moments in the story. And I think, I think all the good things I can say about the Fire XL one main story are overshadowed by one of the big critiques we've been hearing about Magic's story from ourselves and from a lot of Orthoses in the community, uh, that five stories is not enough to tell a main set story. Especially for this set, I think that pinch was really felt, because uh, they threw like 10 Planeswalkers in there, really 11, because Tybalt was also there. Really, 12, because Karn was also there. Um, Elspeth's not counted? Plus Elspeth, 13. Like, plus Elish Norn, who's not a Planeswalker, but that's like 14 main characters. And, like, you need more than five 5,000 word stories to tell a story with those characters. We Well, some of them did show up in the side stories. So we had Nyssa and Luca in a side story. Um, It was, yeah, so it wasn't just the all in the main story but it was it still wasn't enough um yeah um yeah we did we did get five uh side stories um we did uh so we we got we got two stories for the um commander decks the first is uh called cinders which is uh the big return of cassandra caw to magic um cassandra wrote the um unbowed uh the three-part vivian reed story Way back when, uh, it came out when like alongside the Elder Dragon, uh, retelling stories yeah. for Nicobolas and Ugins prior to War of the Spark. Yeah, um, I was so happy to see them get this. Um, they're a huge Phyrexia fan. Phyrexia is a big part of what drew them into magic, and uh, actually getting to write on new Phyrexia is like. It was just a, a great thing to, to see happen. Um, and then uh, Aisha Yufara also returned, um, who wrote, uh, I think, a couple the times Strix before Haven this. But, uh, story. The Ruthless story. The Ruthless story in Strixhaven is, is, is the big one. Uh, and this was a hollow body. This one uh, was the second person eggshell uh, story, which a lot of people really liked, that uh, talked about a lot of, like, weird faction discourse within new Phyrexia. Um, uh, we also had 
uh, Langley Hyde back. What, which Langley Hyde did a main set story, right? Yes, but I don't remember which one. Right, the Dominari United. Yeah. Um, and uh, that was the Luca and Nissa story. Um, we and had then of uh, course the two greats. We uh, had <laughs> Reinhardt Suarez back. Uh. God damn it, Reinhardt, uh, for a man of parts, which was the Tezzeret story where um, he kind of uh, gets his dark steel body and escapes uh, Phyrexia. Um, or wait, or did that story happen in March of the Machine? No, that was that was a man of that parts. That was this one? Because yeah. they they did a really fun thing with um, the way that they they released these stories and that a man of parts and uh, alone came out, I think, after the main set story had finished, I think yeah. they came out. Uh, so we had finished the main set story and these kind of acted as like a bookend to the main set story of all will be one. Um, letting us sort of know like what the, the aftermath was after the set, but immediately before March of the machine. Um, and, and I will say, <clears throat> I love these two authors so much, but they write a lot of text. So this was a lot of story. Uh, for, I, I, for these two, I believe a man of parts yeah. was also where Reinhardt finally kind of canonically reconciles uh, Test of Metal as the kind of delusions within Tezzeret's mind as he's being rebuilt by Bolas. Yep. Yeah. Which is just like canon now. Uh, so any remember now, if anyone tells you that Test of Metal isn't canon, you can say, um, actually it is. It just happens in Tezzeret's head. Uh, thank you, Reinhardt, for that. <laughs> There's also some, like, incredible plain name drops because Reinhardt likes his deep cuts. Um, and Tezzeret's a joy. But, yeah, and then the other story we got was Alone by Miguel Lopez, um, who's, uh, written a bunch for Magic. Uh, he's, he's in Studio X and, and gets to write a bunch of, uh, Magic's fiction. And so this was the Teferi had disappeared in Brothers War and then shows up on... Zalfir um, finds the Wanderer, and this kind of sets up the big Zalfir reveal in March of the Machine. And the story is just really good and heartfelt, tragic storytelling about Teferi coming home again. Um, and if you've been a fan of Magic since Invasion Block, like, if you know anything about Teferi, this is the story where we finally start seeing resolution to a plot line from like 20 years ago, which uh, is sweet. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think there are a lot of good stories in all will be one. And I think they were kind of overshadowed by um, episode limitations, which is a yeah. thing you're going to hear a lot tonight. I, I will say, I think all, all will be one had, uh, some incredible incredibly solid stories it was uh, i think i mean like i i don't really have anything negative to say about any of like the the stories that we got this year they were all incredible i loved all of them um all will be one was a great way to start off the year especially with uh shannon coming in and writing for um because this was her first like full set wasn't it because she'd done a couple of side stories uh and this was just a like knocking out of the park uh story um so i really enjoyed it but 
yeah, it was it was a good one. It was a great way to start the year. It was definitely uh, five episodes for the main story was way too short. Just yeah, yeah. I will also mention that oh, Obi One had possibly the best outside of game premise going into it, which was mm-hmm. we got ten planeswalkers and told half of them are going to be completed. Yeah, you figure out which half, and people went wild for that so that was huge win for any of the teams that organized that in mm-hmm. addition to just getting enthusiasm rolling for the story i, oh, I yeah. think yeah. in terms in terms of like vorthos marketing that is one of the best marketing things i think they did all year um because they said that like around christmas last year yeah it was uh, they, technically started last year which is i think one of the big things it gave us something to carry us into the new yeah. year which was great it's just we'll, not going to make sense once they try it again for Markov Manor, because, like, I don't think that works. For I think you mean, aren't around anymore. <laughs> I think you mean Karlov Manor, because we know oh, who no. dies in, in Markov Manor, and it's all the Markovs. They're already turned to stone. Damn. Uh, or, like, built into the stone. Anyways, Nahiri had fun there. Uh, all right, we yeah. we got to keep moving, because we yeah. this was a big year. Uh, Magic on Philly. Yeah, we were there. We were there. We did a panel there. Um, it was really cool. It was really fun. We got to talk about all we won, basically. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, this is obviously a little bit selfish on our parts to put ourselves in here, but I, I think it speaks a lot to um, the Vorthos community as a whole that uh, two community panels were chosen for that event. Uh, and one of them was ours, which was kind of up. Uh, our story recap of this entire Phyrexia arc to prep for March of the Machine. Um, and and that being something that they wanted to highlight there it meant a lot to us personally as the people who like did the panel and got to do that and got to sit on stage. Um, uh, but like, you know, a, a big a big goal of this show is um, to get people invested in magic story, but also to explain things when people aren't as invested. Uh, if you don't want to read the actual stories themselves and want to just listen to our summaries, that's that's part of why they exist. So if you haven't been reading magic story, like um, it meant a lot to me, at least I, I'm not going to speak for everyone else here, but I, I think sentiments will probably be similar. Uh, it meant a lot to me to get the opportunity to just like catch everybody up with what's been happening in magic to prep for this big event um especially for me as someone who worked on merch of the machine the card set and knowing like how everything was going to end um being part of building that excitement um was cool and i'm 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 glad that that was a thing that was highlighted specifically at that event yeah it wasn't it wasn't just our panel at magic con philly that i i really wanted to talk about it's also the fact that mm-hmm. like there was a huge emphasis on story there, not mm-hmm. just in the terms of like, oh, they invited us on stage to talk for an hour, but also like the like reveal panel that they did for March of the Machine, where they were showing off things, had Roy Graham, the story lead in it. And like he got to like show off and talk about things happening in the story. So like it wasn't just like a preview of cards and mechanics. It was like it was a very story focused event. And I really liked that about magic on Philly. It was really, it felt good to be a Vorthos there. You know, mm-hmm. people were talking about magic story. People were interested in it uh, on like a huge scale. So that was cool. Carrie, do you have anything to say about magic on Philly? No, I mean, tangential to that. I don't think we'll go into full 
uh, video or article highlights from this year um, regarding story stuff, but it was nice to see that kind of emphasis continued in the reveal streams. I know they did a lot of work with Rustic Studies to get him creating um, these kind of scene piece breakdowns of what Phyrexia was uh-huh. and the adventure up to that point. So, again, right. story emphasis is great, especially mm-hmm. for a finale. I would love people to get on board at the start, though, so we'll talk about that. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. Yeah, uh, huh. I, there was one more Magicon Philly thing I want to mention, and that's the art show uh, that yeah. uh, Mike Lineman helped pull together. Um, it was... I think it was very unfortunate that it was not in the convention hall, but also there's a lot of very cool stuff, and I don't know that you can do an art show like that to that level, not in a gallery space, but it was right across the street. Um, and there were a lot of, like, pieces from Phyrexia all will be one there, um, but also a lot of pieces from the old, all like, the old Scars of Mirrodin block, uh, I think some from original Mirrodin, and some pieces... Just Phyrexian art from throughout Magic history. Um, I know, is, is it uh, Mark Tiedon who's like original, the original Phyrexia? Yogmoth. Yogmoth sketches and, and yeah. Phyrexia sketches uh, were like found. Uh, a bunch of old Phyrexian concept art that's like never really publicly been seen was there. That show was incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and I, I guess aside of that, uh, we did also have the Phyrexian language panel. Mm-hmm. Um, we did we did a whole episode about that earlier this year so yeah yeah uh, that was and, a really and, cool thing and so phyrexian being a language that has been like proprietary to watsi and um you know there was the beetle and grimm's um little phyrexia collection thing with kind of a linguistic booklet talking a lot about vocabulary and grammar and, and syntax and stuff um and you know the magic community was directly asked if you know, Phyrexian language was something they'd be interested in learning about. And we got to see the fruits of a lot of um, the replies to that, where, like, people were like, yeah, we want to learn about this. And so secrets were dispelled. uh, And um, and we know a lot about the Phyrexian language now as Magic fans. And that is really, really cool to have a full conlang accessible much more so than it ever was before, uh, is, is really cool for Porthos's. Um, and, uh, I, I do want to highlight that as like a specific instance of, uh, people inside wizards, like looking at feedback from the community and doing a really cool thing because of that. Um, shouting at wizards for the things that you want in, you know, polite ways because raid shouting doesn't, is not helpful, but, uh, you know, requesting things, uh, participating in feedback cycles, um, can get you cool stuff sometimes. And, and that's like one of these situations where that happened. And I thought that would ruled. Yeah. I think letting, letting them know what you're enthusiastic about is better than like letting them know what you want necessarily. So like, if you tell them I'm really enthusiastic about Phyrexian language, or I'm really enthusiastic about, these new art styles or this aspect of, of a plane that will encourage them to, you know, put more emphasis on it and do things with it. Uh, 
And I, I think that's always a good strategy when you're like in a fan space to like let the people who are making the thing you like know what you really like about it because um, you'll get more of it, hopefully. Um, but yeah, we Magic on Philly was great. And we went straight from that into March of the Machine, which came out like not too long afterwards. There was not a big break between I all think of it was you like won. a week or two. Yeah, it was it was very, very soon afterwards. Um, some of it was shown off at Philly. Uh, March of the Machine was by far the biggest endeavor of magic story since the web fiction, like the return to web fiction slash since web fiction, really. Uh, yeah. In general, um, March of the Machine was a 10 episode main story with eight side stories and two aftermath stories. Um, with the 10 main episodes of March of the Machine written by friend of the show, uh, K. Arsenal Rivera, who has been on the show a couple of times and is wonderful. Um, and it was, you know, 10 episodes long. We got like a full actual story for March of the Machine. It didn't feel like it was shortcut that much. Uh, and then we had eight side stories to go along with it written by returning authors from all of the various sets that we've had already in this this uh story the Frexian storyline which was really cool to get you know like returning people to come back we got Roy Graham to come back and write another Ikoria story uh Roy Graham wrote the Kaltheim story originally but um it was just really cool to get all the writers to come back it felt like a real culmination of magic story it, it was a real event set in a story yeah, yeah uh <laughs> side, side side stories we had uh evelyn tang writing the archivio story uh you mentioned roy writing a Coria. um the ixalan stories written by miguel lopez um the innistrad one was a, a geese and garal story by shona mcguire delightful um the eldraine was by um uh long time magic uh um creative team member jenna helland um i think the one that excited people most was the ravnica story about Braska, <laughs> where um allison lures uh got to come back and do magic story and and write a story about Braska and uh th that corruption and uh for everyone who loved the original Ixalan, they got a, a, a taste, a new taste of uh, Allison's writing. Um, um, and Elise Kova got to write the Nukapena story. Uh, she is the person who wrote the, the Nukapena main story uh, the previous year. Her Elise Kova and A.T. Greenblatt both got to return to the planes that they wrote originally, which was really neat. Cause, uh, oh, did I skip over the, the Zendikar one? The Zendikar one is not filed in with the regular stories on the story website and the oh. side stories. It's like it's in the main story section. They have not fixed that. Um, we we can have some some quick comments about the magic story website oh. in a little bit. But I just wanted to say I thought it was really cool that uh, Allison coming right back to write the Ixalan story after she famously was one of the the like main people writing the Ixalan story when it first came out. And then have, you know, A.T. Greenblatt, who wrote the Zendikar Rising story, right? The Zendikar side story and Elise mm. Kova, who wrote, you know, the Streets of New Kapina story to write the Streets of New Kapina side story. Um, it was clear that what they were trying to do with these was sort of give everyone the opportunity to 
come together and like, you know, do a, a final hurrah and do their final story. And I really, I really liked it. I really liked that. That's how they handled it. I thought that was a really mm-hmm. fun idea. Um, yeah. I mean, like, yeah, it was good. I will reserve finer judgments till I guess we get to aftermath. Um, but I will say the Ravnica uh, retread of Vraska and Jace was great. Um, I think that was refreshing to see in this finale, considering how the last story finale went, um, mm-hmm. to put mm-hmm. it kindly. Like, people got to see, maybe maybe it wasn't the full fulfillment of prophecy or anything, but it felt like there was much more care taken to those characters yeah. by the original steward of that storyline than yeah. was necessarily delivered elsewhere, so... I, I think I think a lot of lessons were learned from more of the spark that were put into practice here. And and mm-hmm. I think a lot of the things March of the Machine did were a lot more successful. I think story the story allotment and um focus on what is the essence of what I'm trying to say here? I, I think one of the big problems with War of the Spark is kind of the all or nothing novel. Um, and mm-hmm. I and I think March of the Machine getting to bring in nine different authors, um, more if we count Aftermath, um, across what is ultimately twenty stories, um, and and getting to, um, getting to highlight good character moments without a lot of frenetic back and forth. Yeah. Because it felt like the side stories weren't as plot driven as mm-hmm. the rest of it. Yeah, it was exactly. more of an exploration of what was happening on the plane. We weren't forced to see Kenrith cameo on Eldraine or necessarily other mandatory characters on their plane. I, I do think Soren showed up in his short <laughs> story. But, yeah, he gets uh, his brief cameo. He, he gets his <laughs> little background, background walk pass. Yeah. Um, but when we're talking about the March of the Machine stories and criticism of the story, I think my expectations were for it all were tempered by having experienced War of the Spark. I wasn't expecting mm-hmm. every single story thread to be explored in the full depth that I wanted it to. And I think that's where I disconnect from most of the popular responses, which were that there wasn't enough space they should have had even more stories for the main story uh the praetors should have been more of a focus they shouldn't have been pushovers things like theros getting only a moment on screen those were the biggest concerns that people had but my opinion still stands i believe i said it during k's interview where Mm -hmm. like this is the best executed magic story finale was it flawless no but like structurally I think everybody can see what needs to happen for future story finales to succeed. And this is the first one we've really gotten delivered fully through web fiction. So I think it was perfectly great effort. And um, I don't really have any disparaging thoughts towards the writers contributing it because I think it was just like it needed a little more forethought, but I wasn't going into this expecting uh perfectly cohesive novel 
yeah. <laughs> novel <laughs> worth of text delivered across episodic web fiction in exactly the way that I want, exploring exactly the facets of Phyrexia or the Resistance or the Planeswalkers that I was looking for. So Yeah, I, I, I think one of the things that was really successful, especially about the main story, is how much it was a closer focus on some really good personally emotional journeys with Chandra and Elspeth, uh, and less on the War of the Spark, here are a series of play-by-plays of action that happened, mm-hmm. and here are the people involved, and there's a bunch of verbs. We got a lot of... I mean, like, we got an entire... the entire Elspeth Rebirth episode of just pulling on themes and emotions and vibes... And letting that meander and have space to just be poetic, um, I think was really nice. And I, I much prefer something like that than than uh, uh, like a, a quicker action plot beat type narrative. Yeah, I think one of the main criticisms I remember, and it still you know persists today, is that people wanted it to be two sets. People wanted it yeah. to like be yeah. the the Phyrexians winning the war and then the Phyrexians losing the war. And I think part of it, probably the biggest judgment I can make about this and something I think magic is going to have to, and seems to be sort of struggling, not struggling, but you know, working with currently is the flow of time within their stories. Yeah. Because like for, for us, we're reading the story over the course of a week. um, And the stories come out like once every three months ish depending on what time of year it is. So like it ends up in a situation where we are like how much time is passing within these stories, how much time is passing between these stories. Uh, and that was one thing of March of the Machine was that it was hard to tell how long the Phyrexian invasion happened. Like, was this a one and done over the course of a day? Was this taking months? Was this taking weeks, days? Um, and it wasn't very clear in the story. And I think part of that is because the story wasn't really interested in that as a question. Yeah. Uh, it was very much a tight focus on Chandra, Elspeth, uh, a little bit on Teferi. He, you know, comes in towards the end. Yeah. Um, and it's it's not, and Rin also. Rin is a major important character <laughs> in these stories. And I I still think about the Rin and Eight episode. Um, just so good. But it's, it was just a close look on those characters and then looking at the Phyrexian invasion through their eyes and not necessarily looking at it as an over large event. Uh, And I think that worked personally for me in terms of what I want to read and what I think is a good story. Um, But I do understand that criticism of like, how long was this happening? Because if you read the story, it feels like it took place over a few hours. Um, But in reality, like this was several days pass during some of these stories. So it was, it was a little bit, um, that was like the biggest problem, I think. And it's something that we're having to focus on now when it's like, how long since, uh, Eldraine has it been that we're on Ixalan? Like how, how long is Ixalan between, or how long is it going to be between Ixalan and, uh, Karlov Manor? We don't, we don't really know. It's kind of hard to tell. So there's this inverse problem that I sense from comparing War of the Spark to March of the Machine, which is that War of the Spark overpromised on Planeswalker presence. You had every Planeswalker there, which naturally 
includes your favorite planeswalker. Why doesn't mm-hmm. your planeswalker get time to shine? Well, because there's more important planeswalkers on this plane. So your planeswalker might get to mutter one line or be in the meditation realm on some art, but <laughs> it will not be the focus of the story, and you won't have your favorite planeswalker character probably get to tell you about their experience during War of the Spark. And with March of the Machine, we have planeswalkers, which are a little reeled in, but we have the entire multiverse of planes. And so you're tantalizing these people with Chandelar, with the Xerox plane, the one that's got the one stair like art, or the one Escher stairs art. You're giving them all these possibilities and opportunities to see how these planes are invaded and respond to the invasion and showing them a glimpse of what could be a story and then not being able to deliver on it and so i really do think it's just a matter of scope like we decided to tell two big stories that gave people hope that maybe their favorite thing could be explored fully and then when their favorite thing isn't explored fully well Am I really that interested in it, or did it deliver on my expectations? We can't set people's expectations, but they can reel in the scope a little bit more, and that's kind of what I'm sensing from this three-year arc going on, is that we won't exactly have the end of the multiverse as we know it, or something that threatens all life on all planes and all planeswalkers, but maybe we'll have something that people genuinely can go into knowing the story up to that point and knowing that like we didn't overcommit to uh the ideas that we're presenting to them in the cards. And this is a really good segue to talk about aftermath. Yeah, and like, the choices. We have to talk <laughs> yeah. about aftermath. The choices of the the great pruning um <laughs> and the the omen paths as we uh as we now have it. Um because like you were saying like they have sort of decided after March of the Machine, uh, and I think this is probably the correct call when it comes to narrative storytelling, of basically saying, hey, you know how we have this problem where all of our characters can show up anywhere at any time, uh, creating the War of the Spark monster that it was, and then also creating this, like, every location has to be a setting for our characters for March of the Machine. Uh, what if we just took that away? And now we have, like... <laughs> We got like three. We have three people who have sparks. You know, we have three people who can show up in any story. Um, and it's more than that. But like that choice was so contentious. And I think we recorded like an entire episode about it. Just talking about the I choices mean, that they made. We we literally brought Roy Graham onto the show to talk specifically about these decisions mm-hmm. that went into um, the, the, the de-sparking and the omen paths which are kind of the two big uh, paradigm shifts in uh, uh, magic storytelling moving forward. Uh, I we do I do before we get into that though I do specifically want to say that the aftermath set was literally the worst rated constructed booster product Wizards has ever put out. People hated aftermath. Absolutely yeah, wanna, hated it. I want to say that had very little to do with the story yep. even though yeah. there were a lot of people who who didn't like the aftermath uh the way like a lot of people didn't like the the pruning the de-sparkening a lot of people are still sort of 
on the the omen paths i think that's like a fine thing to have but the set itself was kind of the booster was just awful just a terrible terrible idea um i'm glad they tried it but yeah yeah, and and so work out one of the things is aftermath was intended to be kind of a story first booster product non-draftable the no commons here's a bunch of characters and moments what a colossal failure of a product it is an interesting promise to say here are a whole bunch of de-sparked characters here's the kenrith's funeral was in that set correct yep. mm-hmm. and um here's i mean albeit good stories here are two stories mm-hmm. about chandra and nissa and ajani and nahiri and you get a brief taste of what the omen path and ruptured spark world is like do you get to see sarkin narsa obnixilis calyx for the first time any of these (laughs) characters not necessarily not at all and so again the promise of the cards bit off far more than it could chew in the story and maybe that's an issue with product design maybe it's an issue with product to story integration and how they should have delivered the story should it have just been a legends of article of that at that point would that have been better assuming that we could have net zero like lose two stories get a billion mini stories about all these planeswalkers yeah. that were featured in the set but yeah when it comes down to it it was just a kind of confusing story premise and um your de-sparking people's favorite characters without communicating that Sarkin is in this set but also doesn't get any story time at all um it's it's a letdown for a lot of reasons but maybe the communication could have been different if all the product and story stuff was set in stone at the same time would that communication have caused even more uproar than there already was? I can't, I can't say. If I have, if I had the ability to go back in time, I would have just never have had them release this product at all. Yeah. Like I just, I think that it was a very cool concept to have a story focused, like product release like that, but to have a story focused product without any story support was kind of, a terrible idea we had two stories but it well was we had two a, stories a small but part of the project very small and they were very good i liked the stories a lot they were about nissa yeah, and chandra no. and nahiri wonderful shout, but, shout out to grace fong thank you for the yuri yeah <laughs> um but i do i do just have to say like it if they hadn't released the aftermath booster we would instead of like having this sort of like where are these characters you gave us cards for them and we don't know anything we would just not be thinking about them or we'd be thinking about them in the terms of like hey we know a bunch of planeswalkers are desparked i wonder which ones like are yeah. we gonna ever is obnixilis gonna show up in outlaws of thunder junction i mean like maybe but like we could have expected him to be a planeswalker and now we just know he's sitting on Capena doing nothing well i i, I want i want to look at it from a different pers- perspective of um Say we don't get the card set and we still get the exact same two stories we got. What is the difference here? The difference, like, we get these stories which get to be the denouement epilogue type things, um, but we have no cards underneath them. Like, 
people are kind of better off, but like my my gut instinct that th- is that this was pitched as a product before it was pitched as a story product. Oh, 100%. I'm and just saying, so, like, so, like, if if the product isn't actually functioning as the epilogue, then what is the point of the epilogue product? Which is, like, re- re- you know, in the reality of th- that is the issue that Aftermath ran into is that um, I, d- I don't think anyone understood this product. It was also a terrible price point. <laughs> Um, really can't get over the product itself. The product itself was just... Yeah. It was just bad. It just a failure on, like, every <laughs> axis with every... Like, with every sector of the Magic audience. Um, I, I, It's a product with my name in the credits. Um, But it, it was weird. It was weird. Um, we, we do need to talk about other things, because we have not yeah. even, like, exited the first, we like, few months We got through the big finale. You know, um, yeah, but aftermath, we've talked about it at length on the podcast. We just talked about it a lot. Um, there was a huge magic story break after aftermath. We went like four months without any magic story or something like that. It was ridiculous. Yeah. Um, in that time, they released the Lord of the Rings Tales of Middle Earth set. It was cool. Uh, it was yeah, a fun. I, it was the biggest release of the year of, of many years, I think. Um, I. Th- I- I think the biggest thing to say about that from a Vorthos perspective is how I'm not going to mince words, how fucking outstanding the art direction for that set was. Absolutely fucking incredible. The everyone who's mad at Black Aragorn stay mad for the rest of your lives, you pathetic losers. Oh man, that set ripped. Um, we we also had uh, one of the really cool art direction things they did that I do want to highlight because it was really cool and I'd love to see like a main magic set do it sometime. Uh, was the like the, the giant like six card panoramas that got broken yeah. up across six cards and the arts all the the borderless arts all form like one giant picture. I thought that was so 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 cool. I if they could treat magic story the way they treat Lord of the Rings for like. A set release it would be incredible unfortunately um, i think a little a few more people have read lord of yeah, the rings that's true uh that's than true. magic story uh um, is is the unfortunate part i i think like i don't want to spend too much time on lord of the rings but also like i i think it is not close one of the strongest um examples of the things universes beyond is capable of doing in in the game um and uh phenomenally successful on like, like we we go from aftermath to like not close to the biggest failure release this year to Lord of the Rings which I I I don't know a set that hit all its marks harder um than Tales of Middle Earth um congrats to everyone working on uh on on that product that ruled yeah then then to tide us over some more uh. Carrie, you released Adrift, a Lost Planeswalker zine. That was a really cool thing that happened this year. Um, is it still available online? Is it still like on the, the website and everything? I deleted it. I was too ashamed. No, you can grab <laughs> it at mtglore.com slash Z-I-N-E. That's I, I just wanted, <laughs> I wanted to say like it, it. this has been a good year for magic fan content. Um, yeah. I know that we we make a podcast which is we've been doing that for a long time now but like i've seen a lot of people talking magic story on like tiktok 
There's been a lot of magic story discussion on Twitter. It's sort of, I think March of the machine and, and all of that, all of it that came with that sort of reignited a lot of interest in, in magic story on social media and things like that. And I think that was really cool. Um, we also had the end of the boom comics though. So yeah. Yeah. That, that ended this year. So, so let's summarize the, the popular opinion one through 20. Good. 20, 25, not epic. Um, noble and notorious. Good ish. That's, that's where I've seen people land on it. Um, war of fate was that last story didn't get the same attention or care or seriousness that <laughs> that the prior stories had had mm-hmm. um it kind of seemed aware of its own ending inbound mm-hmm. um noble and notorious perfectly fine standalones i don't know if they rank up to the um lithomancer and ajani ones but for the most part, I I enjoyed them. Technically, mm-hmm. Calix's first story appearance. So yeah, yeah. Uh, I think all I can all I can do when I think about the Boom Studios Magic Comics is sigh, the most unfortunate sigh, because I think it's some of the consistently highest quality Vorthos content we've gotten over the last couple of years, and. We screamed about it as loud as possible. I think we had we had um the um original main series author Jed McKay on three time two or three times on the show to talk about yep. uh the comics. Mm-hmm. Uh and I don't know. I I feel like we screamed and promoted as best as we could. I wish more people read these comics. Yeah. But I think the boom They're run good. the boom run proved that you kind of need somebody who's already entrenched in magic story if you want to write something that is kind of fan indulgent. And mm-hmm. I think that was the greatest achievement was like, it turns out when you get people like Seanan or Kay or Jed who just love magic story and you tell them to write magic story, they tend to write very good and fulfilling <laughs> magic story. It's not like... Je- uh, it's not a difficult formula, but I do understand comic publishing has its own yeah. production timelines that are far different and maybe um, licensed comics for a property like Magic mm-hmm. aren't as, you know, yeah. desirable to sustain for the long run. But I think just thinking about that success was good enough. Yeah, I... I don't know enough about the metrics of how well these comics did. Uh, from what we heard from Jay, they were not, or uh, from uh, Jed, uh, they were uh, not really reviewed. And it's not that they were poorly reviewed, it's that there just weren't a lot of reviews out there. There wasn't a lot of buzz about them. So I don't know how these were marketed um, or what their sales number looked like. Um, obviously not good enough to keep them going. But, you know, we got we got 25 main series issues. We got a four issue Liliana arc. We got five one shots. Um, that's a lot more than some comics runs get. Yeah. And I, I will give them um, I will give them a lot of credit for that. Um, that this, 
for, uh, this is one of the most successful comic runs Magic has ever had. Um, and I, and I, and I, I don't want to diminish that success. Um, and, and I think these comics rip hard. Uh, if you like Magic Story, if you like Magic's characters, these comics are really good. Um, and they still exist out there and you can still read them. Um, and it's a big shame, I think, that these did not do better. I I don't want to spend too much more time on them, but I do yep. just want to pose this idea of how different it would be if they had started the run this year versus ending it this year. Mm -hmm. um, because I feel like a lot of the issues came from the fact that when these comics first started releasing, the interest in Magic Story was, I think, at a lower point than it is right now. Uh, and it was harder to get people to buy in on yeah. non-canon comics. Uh, and I feel like if they were releasing today, it might be very different. We were we were fresh off the failure of the Chandra series by IDW, which faced mm -hmm. essentially a year of delays. And then less than a year later, they announced that Boom had a new Magic series running. Yeah. Everybody was skeptical, especially yep. it being set on Ravnica. I was yep. personally skeptical that it was going to be some kind of War of the Spark retread, but thankfully yep. it proved to be its own thing. It was its own wonderful thing. And just thinking about the potential, um, specifically, as Chris said, in relation to aftermath in our current state, like people would die for a Sarkin and Narset once one shot comic. They would die for like a continuing storyline of these planeswalkers or even just one planeswalker going across the omen paths and finding other desparked planeswalkers. You could coordinate with the story team, figure out which planeswalkers aren't being touched for the next three years, have your fun with it, wrap it up in a year or two. It would be a blast because people would have story content about those characters. But for right now, we're not in that space. Yeah, the uh, the last word I want to put in on this is that I think a lot of people at the start were also scared about it being a separate continuity from the card game. Um, and like, I, I need Magic fans to understand that it's extremely normal for large IPs to have multiple continuities. Um, and that this is not a scary thing. And that if you're sad about what is happening to, I don't know, Sarkin and Narset getting desparked in the main story canon, hey... An alternate canon where things are different is a place where those characters can really shine and you can get really good fulfilling stories out of those. Um, and I I really hope Magic takes more swings like these comics and I hope people um, support them and they do well in the future. Because I want to see a lot more stuff like this. Um, maybe the Netflix show will be that product. <laughs> Maybe it's apparently I'm still grimacing, happening. Maybe we'll see. All right, are we gonna let's let's take some quick bets on if we'll be talking about the Netflix show in our 2024 year in review? I th I think we won't. Uh, I think we won't. I I think it's I think we have a better chance of talking it in the 2025, assuming yeah. our podcast is still around. My my thought is that in the 2024 year in review, we will have something to say about it. Uh, yeah, that something okay, might be that it, it doesn't happen. But uh, anyways, we, we had this long, long drought of story. Uh, and then we had the announcement day, which kind of rocketed magic forward really quickly uh, when they announced like three years worth of future product and story stuff. Uh, that was a crazy time. That was cool. 
I yeah. I don't know if I want that every year, but I think it was really cool to get it. Um, it set us up pretty well from story point of view of like, we know we're going back to Tarkir. We know we're going back to Lorwyn. We know a little bit about these new planes that are coming up. We don't know the story, but we're the speculation machine go burr, right? We are, we know, we are we know, speculating. We know that in 2025, we're going back to Strixhaven. Like, um, yeah, no, that was cool. Uh, I think that's a one-time thing for the for the big fancy thirtieth anniversary <laughs> yeah. bash. Uh, but we did get like the ground, the broad groundwork laid out for, you know, so our story locations mm -hmm. for the rest of this major arc. Um, and uh, I think the important takeaway from the announcement day is that um, yes, we have this big major arc happening, but we have smaller one-year arcs. So we are currently in a four-set Omen Path arc thing where we're following Kellen. Um, we are going to have the Dragonstorm arc next year, and I don't remember if they named the arc after that, which is going to tie up the major arc. I think they named it Arc, Re arc Redacted, because they didn't, they wouldn't yeah, say Yeah, I, I, I think they just didn't give us uh, the name. They didn't give us any information about the uh, finale set either. Uh, mm -hmm. But um, yeah, so we have like, we're in a weird point where we know more about, you know, the, the most minor of details about magic story future than we ever have in the past um which is cool wilds of eldraine k arsenal rivera again she she finished march of the machine and then wrote wilds of eldraine <laughs> um good stories i think these were really popular i think that wilds of eldraine uh was a great setup for the future of magic story i think yeah. that uh it was only like five episodes wasn't it yeah it was yep. just five episodes there were no side stories uh, very bare bones. That is the easiest thing to complain about with Magic Story, and I think we do it again I think, here. Yeah, I, I we think need more. But, March yeah. March on the Machine overall having twenty stories and then having to wait four months and get five stories um, was really disappointing for a lot of people. Where it like right when it felt like they were investing a ton in Magic Story, it felt like we got the barest of bones for Eldraine, um, and. You know, if, if you go back and listen to our story summary episodes and our interview with Kay, we loved the story we got. We would have loved for there to be more. Um, and that is, I think, the biggest thing about that set. Um, that Kay made us made everyone love Kellen. And I think that is really important for what this arc is doing. And Rowan fucked a spider lady. <laughs> there it is um story of the year yeah people were <laughs> people were upset about lack of supplementary yeah. story material uh be that side stories or mm -hmm. the legends of articles that we had been getting pretty consistently up until they kind of faded out from view and so i believe mark rosewater wrote a 10 tall tales or something along those lines that recapped like the skeleton <laughs> Of a lot of the stories that were going on, not in the full depth that we usually get in Legends of Articles, um, more from a strange hybrid space of design plus story. Yeah, but, it, it, it because of the way the set was designed, it was built around these kind of 10 fairy tale stories, um, yeah. which were adapted for the for the plane of Eldraine. Um, and then the way those stories exist in Eldraine informed the card set um 
which is really cool. I, I love how that set was built. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think pe- a lot of people really liked the goofiness. Um, the candy stuff was so good. But um, yeah, no, set ruled. In hindsight, like it wasn't the greatest tragedy that it only had five stories because I think that's a perfectly acceptable starting point if you're trying to get people to read your new arc and setting this as like this is the flag in the ground if you go forward from here then you will get one continuous story for at Mm -hmm. least a year possibly more depending on how exactly things thread in and out which i appreciate as somebody who has multiple times told people to go back to magic origins then the prelude to battle for zendikar Mm -hmm. then battle for zendikar and it's like that's too much it's honestly too much and this kind of again pulls in the scope gets us focused on kellen yep uh it also i mean like i think wild of eldraine and and hear me out here was the set that aftermath should have been in the sense that uh it's it's incredibly story driven but not magic story driven necessarily and that there's the 10 fairy tale stories if aftermath had been a full set with like 10 little stories about planeswalkers as the focus that could have been great but maybe uh yeah i just i, I liked know. wilds of eldraine a lot in the sense that i think it it was a set that told a story within the cards itself a lot of the times and i hope they try that more often um mm-hmm. we got a little bit of it <clears throat> excuse me we got a little bit of it with lost caverns of ixalan uh and that there's a lot of world details that like weren't in the main story that are in the set specifically like the goblins and the malamet don't really get explored a lot and the river heralds um mm-hmm. but like wilds of eldraine really did say like there's a character named totentans who's not going to show up in this in the story at all but you're going to know his whole story if you read the card set so yeah yeah uh wilds of eldraine good story content i think there needed to be more but you know that's the general rule uh, we had the Doctor Who release. We did an episode on Doctor Who. I don't want to talk about too much other than the universe is beyond like Doctor Who was incredibly popular. This yeah. was like a not like a knocking out of the park again in terms of like product release that they did. Um, the Doctor Who fans are really happy with it. I think yeah. that it shows that they really do care about some of these universes beyond products. Uh, and I appreciate that a lot. Um, yeah, I hopefully. I, they do that with other ones as well. I think yeah. one of I think the only thing I want to say about this is that um I think those commander decks ripped hard and set up for the secret layer that's coming out that is tying into the specials that are leading into um the 15th doctor. Uh and that kind of marketing integration has been really successful with the these Doctor Who products specifically. I would love to see as successful market integration within Magic's own brand. Yeah. Um, I think Universes Beyond has been doing a really good job um, connecting with those kinds of things. Um, you know, other UB products have done cool stuff like that, too. Um, you know, we, we're about to get Fallout Commander decks shortly before the Fallout TV show hits. I don't, remember, I don't, I don't know how those releases coincide, but it's it's relatively close together. Uh, and, you know, I, I would like to see Magic's own brand. Like, why wasn't, why, like, imagine if this we is, had a secret lair 
to help promote the boom the boom studio comics yeah but that also like i'm thinking on the access of like video game crossovers they yeah. do it for season launches they do yeah. it for kind of refreshes and story content so that people mm-hmm. see destiny content in among us and they go play destiny and that's just that's part of the thing it's like it's perfectly fine and acceptable and i'm tired of telling people that tf2 has garuk's helmet and chandra's goggles because that's like the most notable crossover there is (laughs) yeah it was for duels of the planeswalkers 2012 there there was a full smite the the game smite added like all the planeswalkers and uh i wish that game was good but they seem so (laughs) ill-timed because it's just like Mm -hmm. the smite stuff happens the hot pocket stuff happens like you get these kind of spatterings of these are the new five characters these are the central five planeswalkers maybe we'll expand beyond that for but for the most part like if we're getting expressions into those brands it's keeping very very close and i'm like give new capenna elspeth to somebody else to tease her in their game like i don't care at this point that at least gets the cross promotion going between you and that game we should be able to get Elspeth's sword in Destiny, is what we're saying. <laughs> Destiny did Witcher. Yeah. Maybe they'll do more. We yeah, Destiny crossovers. Uh, they've they've done stuff with Witcher, Assassin's Creed, um, uh, God of War. Um, we should wrap it up. These are hitting um, the episodes that we've already recently covered. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, Lost Caverns are excellent. We got six main stories, uh, and the the giant side story, which was apparently supposed to be two side stories, but got published as one because it was all like the same thing, and uh, it was a Miguel story, so it's mm-hmm. t- basically two stories in one story. <laughs> um, <laughs> and this is where we start seeing some flexibility on uh story length. I think ha- just just having the one extra story, I think, helped a lot for the Lost Cavern story. We loved it. Um. I I'm, str- I'm struggling to think of like constructive things for this specific episode to say. Like I I, th- I think a lot of the stuff that happened in LCI was a step in the right direction. I I guess the thing I want to highlight is not Magic Story, but um um videos art direction and world building work on this set was unfathomably spectacular. Oh yeah. Um. For as much as I praised the Lord of the Rings uh, art direction earlier this year, which oh, was was that also a video leading that? I think so. Actually, I vaguely recall. I think a video being one of the people uh, doing a lot of AD work with uh, Tales of Middle Earth. Um, but uh, Lost Caverns of Ixalan, just some of the meatiest world building we've seen for a magic set in a very long time. Um massive massive planeswalkers guide article um incredible art direction um just slam dunk from the art department on this one um and from the world building team just unfathomably great work i love it i love it so much i love seeing that much attention and care paid to to a set um that kind of effort behind the scenes is really felt on on the card and story side of things um and i think creating creating structures in studio x that 
can facilitate more of that kind of work, I think would be excellent. <laughs> not not to tell all my bosses how to do their jobs. Uh, that's not the intent. But um, like I, a lot of care went into that set, and I I want to see Magic embrace that potential in really constructive ways for its employees um, in the future. Uh, because I I think when you can channel that kind of energy, you j the product is just so so elevated by that. Um, yeah. Yeah, and, and I don't know if we'll if we'll see this level of of world building and depth on every set, but I hope we get to see at least this level of clear care and enthusiasm uh, in every set because this set felt to me like a a work of love from the people mm -hmm. who worked on it. Um, you can tell that like this was taken very seriously and like, yeah. Ta I mean, not that every, not every magic set is taken very seriously, but like, I don't know how Miguel and Ovidio sat down. And we're just like, we're going to uh, take this set about, uh, you know, under underground world on Ixalan and make it into one of the most beautiful worlds uh, magic has ever made. We're just going to, mm -hmm. we're, we're just going to do that. We're going to take this Minecraft set and make it into something incredibly impactful. Um, and I loved it. Uh, we we just stopped talking about Lost Caverns of Ixalan like two episodes ago, though, so I don't really yeah. want to talk anymore yeah. about it. Uh, Cuisines of the Multiverse, we talked about last episode. My only comment on this great is Great product. Great product, go buy it. They have not promoted it at all. This is yeah. in the long line of magic products that are released that are like officially licensed that just got no promotion. Um, I just, I, I yeah. don't think I've seen a, even a tweet from from the official account about they it. They have not. I, I've checked. Um, There's no tweets. This product rules. This product oh. rules. It's really cute. It, right before Christmas, like this is prime. This is yeah, a, like, kind of. This is a great gift item. Like I get it for your friends as a New Year's gift or a January eighth gift or a January fifteenth gift. I don't care. Like you can you can go buy this book because we're gonna plug it if they don't. <laughs> that's that's yeah. the truth of it at this point. Free free yourself from the calendar shackles. Do not wait for tradition and ritual to provide generous gifts for your loved ones. Buy them gifts at any time. In adherent to society. Um just <laughs> like I I just I market the damn thing please <laughs> we can uh, we can only do so many urine reviews where we say please promote your stuff better yeah. before like we're just actually tired of it so please do you know um and and this is this is like just one of the best licensed magic products i've seen i think the cookbook rules i think the recipes rock i think the stories are really cute um, I think the visuals are compelling. The mix between like the food photos and the magic art is great. Like I, this product is just outstanding and seeing it get like no support, um, sucks. It sucks. People, people didn't know it existed until we recorded an episode about it. Like, I just, I just want to like say like, that's if the Vorthos cast is the first point of which magic fans learn about a magic product, that is, um, that's not good. Like, People should know about it. Anyways, yeah, it's great. It's a great cookbook. I love it. Um, it's going to be fun to cook through some of these recipes now that we're on the holiday break time. Uh, we do. We did get one last little gift this year that I want to bring up, which was the yeah. 
the very first episode of the Murders at Karlov Manor epi- came out, uh, like a month before the rest of them, which I yeah. thought was delightful, especially yeah. since it is a a murder mystery story and it set up a lot of the characters and like got people a chance to speculate. This is this is the equivalent of showing us ten planeswalkers and saying five of them get completed. Uh, uh-huh. Instead, we had a story. And the story said someone dies at the end, but you don't know who, which is like equivalent, but not. I mean, like it, it's never going to be as good as the Ten Planeswalkers. Um, no, yeah. uh, but, it's, but it's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it got me speculating, and I've been off speculating for quite uh-huh. a while. And don't I worry, immediately I speculated on Reddit, and then somebody immediately speculated something better that also fits with my theory, and I'm like, well. I think I'm going to take that. I think, I think like, <laughs> I'll credit you, but also like, hmm. I th- I think I've got at least some, some idea of uh, things going on, but you can, you can go check out r slash MTG Vorthos to, uh, you know, go talk to people who actually love speculating about this stuff. Yeah. Uh, so we got uh, the first of 10 main set stories. For Murders at Karloff Manor by Seanan McGuire. Um, this is the part where, hey, everyone who was like, hey, five stories is too little. Why are there only five stories? Why are there only six stories? We need more magic story. Hey, look at this. We're getting more magic story. Um, which I'm really excited about. And uh, I I think moving forward, you know, see, getting to see six stories plus the side story in... Um, got the, the side story in Lost Caverns of Ixalan was hardly even a side story, too. It was, like, yeah. extremely relevant to, like, the geopolitics of the setting. Um, and I don't know all the details about Magic Story for next year in terms of how many stories we're getting for things. My hope is that we can see this trend continue where we're getting the space for Magic Story to really sit and get juicy. Um... The murder story is really good. I think people are really going to like it. I love dropping the first part of a murder mystery, wetting everyone's whistle to to start thinking about uh, and and anticipating uh, where this story is going to go. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I will say, yeah. I think in terms of story length, and we're going to talk about this next year, I'm sure. I like the fact that this is 10 stories because there are 10 guilds and yep. it is it is letting the story and what it wants to do control how many episodes we get rather than the normal case where it's like you get five story you get five episodes let's hope you can fit the story in there this feels definitely like there was some discussion within wizards that was like we are getting 10 stories because we think this is going to need 10 stories to really flesh it out yeah, um, per- perhaps this is the thing we can get more insight in next year when we talk to yeah. Seanan about this when the <laughs> stories are done. Uh, but I- I'm not, I'm not going to sit and speculate. Uh, I will say, though, the 10 episodes has nothing to do with the 10 guilds. This is a Ravnica set yeah. that is not a stock, you're going to get one story about each guild type story. Uh, this is no. just a its own thing that is just happens to be 10 episodes. But but Shannon has said that she made ten guild pun episode titles, and that was yeah. important to her. So <laughs> yeah, um, if you can believe it, it's ten stories that will not be dropped on the exact same day as well. Yeah. So 
let's oh. be thankful for God, we didn't even the, talk about that yeah there was a strange experimentation lost caverns of exelon came out in one day nobody liked it i don't expect yeah. it to return just the, forget the, it the nobody liked that meme i think is the response to having all six stories dropped on one day it's really um, the aftermath of story releases <laughs> <laughs> oh boy it's nice to finish one of these and be genuinely excited yeah. it's nice to have 2024 to look forward to and like I think some of that relates back to, you know, having advanced knowledge of what planes are coming mm. up and like thinking about how things could possibly thread together. But we get to hype people up for Thunder Junction as the finale question mark of the of this at least first Omen Path arc. arc. So yeah, the first one year arc. So we I think we'll all love to do that well and, you know. It doesn't. It won't take that much back reading to, you know, get caught up on, on yeah, this mini exactly. arc. Please do it. Uh, I just want to say, as my final thought on our final thoughts of the year here, um, I feel like Magic Story was in a really good place this year. I feel like mm-hmm. I saw a lot more enthusiasm, a lot more interaction. Uh, people have been talking about it more, and I've I have separated myself from Magic Twitter pretty pretty well i don't follow a lot of magic twitter discussion and yet i still see it bleed over into my feed a lot of people talking about magic story making tiktoks reading the episodes on streams talking about them outside of we didn't talk about the audiobook versions oh the audiobook versions happening yeah really important thing that happened is that like youtube audiobook recordings of magic story are being officially uploaded uh Phenomenal change. Good thing you yeah. remember this right at the end. Uh, I, <laughs> absolutely outstanding decision. Whoever is championed that inside Wizards of the Coast, like massive kudos to you. You are literally the best. Um, people, I everyone, tell your friends if you don't want to read it. There's an there are audiobook versions. Uh, they don't always get uploaded in the most timely manner, which I I think is like the big criticism of those but those existing at all is phenomenal please don't stop doing that yeah i mean editing audio is difficult and takes a while and it's a hard job and people (laughs) should be appreciated for it and we do appreciate you chris but (laughs) wizard of the coast is a large corporation and should be able to handle it you know they can always pay me i'm just saying i i don't (laughs) i don't cost a lot um if if you just search the stories on youtube you can generally get yeah. to the magic page and find them i don't know if they have a playlist for them i will selfishly plug my own site mtglore.com because mm-hmm. i just have the official audios linked in the story entries so that Hell you can yeah. click on official audio and go to the exact youtube link you need to i think eldraine was four out of five were linked correctly in the article itself on wizards page but it was scary enough where I was like, okay, I'll just link them after the fact so that we have direct access to them. So if you want to scroll through this, I'll do it there. You have also been doing a lot of work on that site uh, this year, Carrie, uh, and and a lot of a lot of cool stuff. It's it's been uh, neat seeing a lot of stuff you've been putting together. Yeah, um, it turns out when kind of a, when a magic story is good, program. I'm happy yeah. to do stuff. <laughs> yeah, no, I I think. I think this is the first year since War of the Spark where it really feels like Magic Story has been thriving. Um, and 
hot take, but I like seeing that. Um, and and I think a lot of the issues people have had this year have been trending better right here, you know, at the tail end of this year. Um, I am optimistic about where things are going next year. Um, yeah, I don't I don't think I have anything more to say about that. Market your things, please market your things. Just a shout out to the Magic Story team. Uh, y'all are doing good. We like what you're doing. Thank you. Um, I like working with you. Yeah. Uh, I hope we can get Roy back on sometime in the near future just to chat, just because I like talking to Roy. But also, like, the people who are making Magic Story within Wizards of the Coast are clearly in love with making Magic Story, and it's showing, and it's very clear that, like, there is support for what they love and what they're doing. Um, and that's good. It's nice. I hope that support continues. If you are somehow a upper level executive at Hasbro or, or Watsi and you're listening to this, please keep supporting your magic story team. They're, they're doing good work. Um, we, I don't want to say anything else to you though, because. <laughs> Let's cut it there. Uh, <laughs> yeah. If you want to plug the Patreon. Uh, yeah. In, uh, <laughs> A magic story is thriving and give us money about it um <laughs> if you like our show and uh want to see us do a lot of really cool stuff in 2024 um you can head to patreon.com slash the vorthos cast for as little as one dollar a month uh you can help cover the costs of running the show uh and us doing cool things uh i the Patreon, Patreon, patrons, y'all are, like, making this big Chicago panel thing possible. Um, a big, a big part of the reason why we're able to do this really cool thing is because of y'all Patreon folks. And, like, super special thank you for that. Um, and, uh, you, for everyone who supports us on Patreon, uh, regardless of how much you back us for, uh, you get access to our Discord community where Vorthoses from around the world are uh settling in for a little winter break here but uh we are going to it's not going to take too much longer in january to kind of hit the ground running on uh mergers at carloff manor um we're gonna get set previews before you know it you said markov manor did i say markov I no thought I said no. Ka- no but i got you see now i don't feel as bad so no, no, it's tricky because I literally do say Markov Manor a bunch also because like <laughs> the the alliteration is too too alluring. The the sweet siren song of all those M's together is just too delectable to the human aural palate. And you know, if it if it was murders at Mar or Markov Manor, that set code would just be like, mmm. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, thank you all for listening. This has been another wonderful year of the Vorthos cast. <laughs>